What does the average week look like for you? Sure, it may start with church on a Sunday morning, but by Monday, can any of us remember what the sermon was about? We spend so much of our time on just making it through the week, helping our children with online school, balancing our job and our family life, finding time for our spouse or our significant other. But most of what we do related to our faith is crammed into about 80 minutes on a Sunday. Did you know that in a week there are 10,080 minutes? If we're spending only 80 of those focusing on our faith, what are we doing with the other 10,000? That's what this podcast is all about. My name is Sawyer Trapp. I'm our associate pastor here at Arise Church Denver, and I'm so glad that you decided to listen today. If you haven't clicked the subscribe button, make sure to click that so you're getting our podcast each and every week. And with that, I'm going to turn it over to our lead pastor, Matt Wolf. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us uh, today on this podcast. We hope that you do grow in your faith and really figure out how to take some of the stuff that we talk about in those 80 minutes that we're together worshiping Mm -hmm. weekly and apply them to our lives, because that's really what it's about. Following Jesus is for all of life. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this last week in our message, we talked about community. Mm-hmm. We talked about what a church is like. Yeah. Um, what that the my, church should be like. <laughs> what this should be like, that my message was titled, Hateful, Outdated, Hypocrites, because those are the adjectives a lot of people use to describe Christianity. That's the brand recognition that sadly a lot of churches and Christians have right now. Yeah. And we're saying, hey, but that's not what Jesus set up. That's not what he called us to. That's not what he created. That's not how we should be living. And, and we could we can do so much better than that. Absolutely. And so I challenged people to make love your brand. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until Sawyer said it that I realized that you don't want to say that too fast. That's right. You don't want to put a pause in a certain area. <laughs> that maybe make wasn't the, yeah. the best word for that spaghetti. But choose love as choose, your brand. Choose, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Decide that your brand should be loved. Like, yeah, it, it's a little clunkier, but maybe, uh, but uh, that's beside the point. The, yeah. y- y- everybody got it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Everybody got it that, hey, this should be our new brand. We need to love one another. And this is the way that people will know that we are his disciples. We love one another. Right. That's exactly what Jesus said. So one of the things I mentioned in my message mm-hmm. was that I had somebody come up to me and say, Matt, I just feel like I'm apologizing mm. for the church yeah. all the time. Absolutely. And that's a feeling that people have. Some people, like, that's what they do. They apologize for the church. And, uh, you know, I remember back, they read Blue Like Jazz Sawyer. Mm-hmm. I feel like that popularized that notion. Yep. Um, I remember just a big push for that because that came out when I was in college. Mm-hmm. That was the book everybody had. I got a copy of it given to me at some event, some Christian event. It was like, and Donald Miller in there, of course, that's his first book that mm-hmm. he wrote. And in it, he talks about setting up a confession booth on his college campus. Right. Not to con- allow people to come in and confess their sins, but you would come in and he would confess the sins of the church mm-hmm. to the per- people here. Like, these are all the things that the church has done wrong. Right. Look at, you know, uh, the Crusades, the Salem Witch Trials. You know, we could go on and on right. and on. Um, there's people say today, you know, look at all the racism that has been in the American church. Mm-hmm. There's... It doesn't take long to find sins in the church. And a lot of us have yeah. experienced that. Yep. So, Sawyer, what do we do with that? It, it, some people listening feel that way. Like, I, I, I feel like I need to apologize for the church. I feel like we've done so much wrong. Do we need to do that? W- what do you think we should do with that impulse? Sawyer? 
I mean, I think overall it's a good impulse, right? I mean, I think um, we're called to be <laughs> Christ's ambassadors in the world. And yep. that means, you know, when you're an ambassador, that means that you represent um, that institution being, I mean, that religious institution, but, and, and can speak to the good things, but a lot, in a lot of situations speak to the bad things. But I, I don't think it should be our job as Christians to solely be people out there apologizing, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Because I think, yes, the church has done a, a good amount of wrong. We've messed up. We've fallen short. But if our role as Christians becomes exclusively as people who are apologizing, instead of showing the good and positive things that the church is doing and that the church can be doing, or hopefully that our, our church specifically, Arise Church Denver, is doing, then we get this, we present this image of the church that it's it's solely about um, apologizing for the past instead mm-hmm. of like what we can be doing in the future. Mm. So it might be a good impulse, but what you're saying is we can't live in that. We can't be stuck in that. Right. That our, like, if I feel like it's my job to go on a college campus and apologize for Christians or go on a tour, like a national apology <laughs> tour, like some high profile people do after they've messed up big time. Right. right. Um, so let me ask you another question. What, what do, you, do you think it's biblical to apologize or to repent on behalf of other people or people in the past? Hmm. That's an interesting question. I can't think of a biblical example of somebody. I mean, I guess maybe the only thing I can think of mm-hmm. is you have the the Old Testament prophets and priests repenting on behalf of the society at large. Sure. Yes. Um, and so there, there is this relationship that that individual has to speak on behalf of that group or society but you know post jesus mm-hmm. <laughs> um where jesus becomes this ultimate sacrifice um and, and there is there doesn't have to be this intermediate excuse me intermediary between us and god there seems to be this push for the, each individual person to repent yes um so this is a concept i've thought about a yeah, little bit it's interesting um, yeah, I think the prophets are a good example. Yeah. Another example is actually Nehemiah. Mm-hmm. So when Nehemiah first hears, because he's living in um, Persia, the people are in exile, right, taken away exile. from mm-hmm. Israel, and so he's living there and doesn't really know the state of Jerusalem, and then he hears that, like, actually the city is awful. Yeah. The walls are crumbled, like, and there was already supposed to have been a building party in the time of, like, Ezra, which happened, you know few decades before that Mm -hmm. so things should have been better and he hears oh my gosh the walls are destroyed meaning this isn't a city this is it's just completely destroyed yeah it's in shambles it's in shambles it should make you sad that that your nation your your people are Mm -hmm. just in shambles this would be like if washington dc was just like toppled and the washington monument was on its side the white house was burned down Mm -hmm. like we would have national disgrace for it right Mm -hmm. and in the very beginning in chapter one of nehemiah um, Nehemiah says this, and I'm quoting this from verse 6 and 7. He says, I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. Hmm. So he's confessing his sins. He's confessing the sins of the entire nation and the sins of his family. And, and a lot of these would be past sins mm-hmm. because it was their own sinfulness and unbelief that led them to go into exile. So he's going in the past as well. We have acted very wickedly, he says in verse 7, toward you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. So it starts out with this corporate confession that gets included in this book now written about his life. So I do think that there is some biblical evidence that it's okay 
and, and good to confess the sins mm-hmm. of, of not just yourself, but of your family, of your past. Um, but you're right, there is that flip from the Old Testament to the New, mm-hmm. that in the Old Testament, literally one of the Ten Commandments, you know, said, it, you know, if the, I'm trying to think of which one it was. It, it's the, the Third Commandment? Third Commandment. Second Commandment. Okay, I'm, I'm, right? <laughs> I, I always get the numbers wrong, okay? I'll, I'm just going to be honest. There you go. Honesty so, is good. <laughs> First command. I'm pastor. Uh, yeah. You shall have no other gods before me is, is command one. Command two is you shall not make any graven image. But this is what it says. If you do that, um, I am the Lord, in verse 5 of Exodus 20, am a jealous God punishing the children for the sins of their parents right. to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. So there's multiple generations of punishment for sin. Mm-hmm. According to God, he's speaking here, based on the sins of the past. Sure. So there is something to that. However, in both Jeremiah and Ezekiel, promising, prophesying about the new covenant that mm-hmm. was going to come. About the future. Yeah, about, about the future. And the full fulfillment of Jesus. The full fulfillment. And one example of this, because both Jeremiah and Ezekiel say the same thing, these prophets. Yeah. Jeremiah in 31, 29 says, In those days people will no longer say, The parents have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? <laughs> Basically that the... There is a new time coming where these this generational consequences will be flipped. Yeah. And there'll be generational blessings. Yeah. And, and it's that metaphor of grapes. Like yeah. The parents eat the sour grapes and the teeth of the kids are set on edge. You know, you make the that face when you eat something sour. Right. Like bitter face. You, you, can yeah. just, you can just imagine what we're doing here on the other end of this podcast. <laughs> you know, just think of like that face you make, that grimace with yep. your teeth on edge. Yeah. In a sense, that's not going to happen. That it's going to ke- go generation to generation. Each person is going to die for their own sins. Mm-hmm. Now, in the new covenant under Jesus Christ, this is a major shift in the covenant. That you will die for your own sins. You will be saved by your own confession of faith. Right. There are no spiritual grandchildren. Okay. <laughs> when you're born again, it doesn't mean your kids are born again. That's right. That's why we pray for our children. Okay. But that's Absolutely. a little side note. But yes, in the new covenant, we are not guilty for the sins of the past. Mm-hmm. So that means maybe theologically and spiritually, I don't need to confess the sins of our slave-holding ancestors, right? for example. Right. Although I always say, you know, my family all came from the north, so there's a <laughs> lot less chance of that. But guaranteed, if you chase it back generations before that, there probably would be sure. something like that. Um, yeah, I have French-Canadian and English New England ancestors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but that doesn't even matter. Like, they have sin in their past. Absolutely. Like, every one of us has sin in the generations behind us. So we are not going to be held guilty because of someone else's sin mm-hmm. in our past. Right. Or the church's sin uh, at large. So even, oh my gosh, there's this church in your denomination that did this awful thing, mm-hmm. so therefore you're just as guilty. No, no, no. We don't. We face the consequences of our own sin. So theologically speaking, we don't need to confess someone else's sin. But on a relational level, mm. I think it can be deeply valuable. Okay. Explain that a little more. I think um, for people in our lives that have been hurt in the past or have had a key individual in the church um, fall short, um, fall into sin and dramatically, or even just been through situations in the church um, or have seen the church that have deeply hurt them, that are preventing them from um, reintegrating with the church, preventing them from following Jesus. Um, 
stepping into that and in and, and somebody that you have a relationship with and saying, hey, I know I, I know I can't fully apologize for what you've experienced, but as a, as a Christian, I just want to say that I'm sorry that that happened to you. Yeah. And I've had situations like that and conversations that I had, especially as, <laughs> as a pastor of saying, mm-hmm. you know, that's not what a Christian should do, or yep. that's not what the church should have done. Right. And those, those conversations, like taking the mantle of, <laughs> of Christianity on you and mm-hmm. saying, that's not what our faith should be or is. And I'm so sorry that happened to you. Like, that can be powerful because maybe nobody has ever acknowledged that hurt in their right. lives. I, I totally agree with that, Sawyer, yeah. and, and I have done that. Absolutely. So let me let me stay theoretical for a second, and then sure. we're going to get practical. So sure. I want we're all over the place right now. We've talked theology. <laughs> I want to talk now logic. Okay. Okay. There is a logical fallacy that we're talking here. Mm-hmm. Okay. There is a logical fallacy that is literally called guilt by association. <laughs> it is yeah. illogical. Right. Okay. Um, that to say someone is guilty because they're part of a group is illogical. Uh, whether it's family, whether it's race, whether it's church, whether it's nation, yeah, you, you know, we're not going to blame every single German because of what happened in World War II. You know, mm-hmm. that is wrong. Right. We consider that um, ethnocentrism. We consider that racism. So if you're ever imputing to the individual what is guilty by someone else in the group, that's logically fallacious okay i'm just saying that yeah. so from a logical and yet we do it absolutely we all do it we we do it about political parties mm-hmm. oh you're a democrat you're right. a republican oh my That's gosh right. you're so guilty of all these other things because of your political party so uh, political party family race ethnicity nation of origin um we could just go on and on mm-hmm. whatever the group is people impute the guilt to it so that happens so i'm just saying this if you're listening to this do not do that to other people. Right, absolutely. Let's be logical. So that's the first thing, logical. Now let's talk philosophically. Okay. Okay, no, I'm sorry, not philosophically. <laughs> Psychologically. We're going at it from a lot of different angles. We're today. going at it from a lot of different angles. <laughs> because here's the reality. If logically people understand that in their brain, so hopefully you do now. Mm-hmm. Hopefully I've explained that clear enough. <laughs> Psychologically, however, there is something that happens called transference. Yeah, absolutely. Transference, and I'm not going to describe it well because I'm not a counselor, I'm, but... But transference is when you experience almost the psychological and emotional baggage from someone else, Mm -hmm. (laughs) even though they are not the person who does that to you. Right. Okay? Yep. Um, I've experienced this as a pastor. Mm -hmm. I remember one time a woman came up to me and said, Matt, this is my first time in church in however long. And it's really hard for me. This person's in tears. Yeah. It's really hard for me to talk to a pastor, mm. mm-hmm. even though we'd never met. Right. Really hard for me to talk to a pastor because this happened to me based on a pastor in the past said this to me. Right. And so she was emotionally, feel- like I could see her shaking physically, emotionally crying because of what another pastor had done to her. Right. And that emotional transference is real. Absolutely. Even if logically she could say in her mind, I know you're not guilty of what this other person did to me. I have a hard time talking to a pastor. Right. And what did I do in that situation, Sawyer? I am so sorry that happened to you. That is not how anyone should act, especially a shepherd of a church, a pastor. Mm -hmm. I am so sorry that if that means anything to you, I'm so sorry. Right. Like uh, have an apology there I think is okay. Mm -hmm. Logically, it doesn't make sense. (laughs) 
emotionally, psychologically, it does. Absolutely. And we've got to recognize that. So people are going to have emotional transference, <laughs> psychological transference, whatever you want to call it, because of what a church has done to them in the mm-hmm. past or done to someone they love, mm-hmm. right? And I, I think so often um, for many of us, it can feel like a burden that we have to carry. Um, mm-hmm. But seeing it more as an opportunity, I think mm. um, yeah, that one single moment of apology may start something radical in that person's life. Sure. And that woman started going to church and still goes to church serving, you know. Yeah, there you go. Um, so I, I've seen that. Mm-hmm. And and I hope I don't know if my interaction had any <laughs> right. bearing on yeah, this at all. Know. But I hope that it, it made that person at least more comfortable in that conversation to talk to me. Absolutely. So yes, I have apologized on behalf of the church. I have apologized on behalf of Christianity in a sense to certain people and at certain times. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's not a burden that we need to carry all the time. Right. We don't need to go on the great apology tour every time we meet an unbeliever. I'm so sorry for the church. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, we, we can't live with that baggage. Right. And I, I think ultimately what we're, what we're trying to say is that on a, on a practical level that yes, an apology might be appropriate, but that's not the end, right? Mm. Okay. No, no. So yeah, we'll move into practical. So maybe you're in a situation with someone, maybe you know someone in your life and you, this conversation comes up and they express to you hurts that they've experienced in the past and, and, and you do apologize. Like that's not the end of your role in that situation. Mm-hmm. Especially if this is someone that you have a personal relationship with, that that just becomes the beginning of your relationship with them. Maybe it's a situation where you can say, hey, I know that you've been hurt by a church in the past. I'm so sorry that it happened, but come check out our church. Yep. Like, as you said in your message, like just give it one more try. Give, give it another chance. Give it another chance. Just because you had a bad meal at a restaurant, you're not going to give up eating out for the rest of your life. Right. Like, maybe try a different meal or try <laughs> a different restaurant. You yeah. know, I'm okay if you got hurt at this church. Go try a different church. Right. And so that that apology isn't the end of like your interaction with them. Like I, I I've apologized. I've done my due diligence. Yeah. No. Then now that becomes an opportunity for you to use that relationship to build on the relationship that you do have, and start helping them follow Jesus. Yeah. And that apology is the beginning of that, not the end. Yeah, I think the sad thing, and I felt this in college with Donald Miller's book. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he intended that at all, but a no. repercussion that I saw out of it was then a lot of Christians were leaving the church. There yeah. was a lot of I love Jesus, but not the church. Right. Um, and I think that's the exact opposite. Shouldn't that make us want to say, let's make the church better. Let's right. give people a, another experience. If you were hurt by that person, I'm going to love you. Mm-hmm. If you were discouraged by that, what they said, I'm going to encourage you. Right. Um, I'm going to show you how Jesus meant his followers to live. Right. Just because that apology has happened doesn't mean that it's time to give up. It's yeah. time to start to make things better and live into what... God is calling us yeah, to be as the church. It's time to lean in. Absolutely. It's time to lean in and say, hey, how can I love? How can I make love my brand? There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. Hey, I, I hope this helped you, encouraged you. If you haven't, go back and listen to that message, Hateful, Outdated Hypocrites. Mm-hmm. Maybe share it with someone yeah. who you know is in that that mode. I talked with someone on Sunday after the message. was like, Matt, you were you know, speak, speaking to me. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> And, you know, I hadn't been in church in so long, and, mm-hmm. and I needed to hear this because I was hurt. And yeah. the person says, I, I, I love hearing messages. I love the Bible, but it, it's been so hard for me to reconnect mm-hmm. with the church yeah. because of all this hurt in the past, but, but I got to do it again. Yep. And I, I just love that someone was willing to admit that and, and take a chance. If, 
So share that message with somebody. Maybe mm-hmm. it would encourage them in the same way. Absolutely. And maybe you need to apologize, um, but you definitely need to love. There you go. There you go. Good practical advice for your 10,000. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll be with you next week. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, send them our way. Make sure you join us for our new series starting yep. uh, this Sunday, May. I don't even know what day 16th. we're at. 16th. 16th. Um, lost and found. It's going to be good. This first message in particular, I'm excited about. So It'll be really good. Well. Invite a friend. Yep. Okay. We'll, we'll talk with you next week. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for listening. This is Sawyer Trapp again, associate pastor here at Arise Church Denver. We want to encourage you to do three things. First is to subscribe, to make sure you're getting the podcast each and every week to help bring God into your 10,000. We'd also love it if you would share this, if you would make this not only a part of your life, but a part of somebody else's. And then finally, if you are benefited by anything that we do, either as a church or on this podcast, we would love it if you would give. You can do that at risedenver.com slash give to continue to support the mission and impact that we're having on this community and then the lives of the people of our church and those discovering us for the first time. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week.